0: Someone asked me recently, what is the coolest part of my job as CEO at ClearMotive Marketing? I said, well, that's easy. The fact that every day I get to dig into our clients' businesses to learn not only what makes it tick, but what we can do as their partner to deliver the marketing that truly matters to their business. It's like being in a living, breathing case study every day. And for that, I am truly blessed. Hello, Collision's YYC listeners. It's with an overwhelming sense of pride that I wanted to share with you that the marketing agency that I had the pleasure of co-founding and leading is turning 15 years old. Yes, ClearMotive Marketing is 15. I want to shout out a huge thank you to all of our clients, past and present, as well as our vendors and all of the incredible team members we've worked with over the years to make this milestone possible. Check us out at clearmotive.ca to learn more about what we can do that matters to you. Hello and a Warm Collisions YYC, welcome to my, my guest this morning, Mr. Rob Wildeboer. How you doing, Rob? Mm. Really good, really good. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for making the time, Rob. We'll jump right in. You're the co-founder and executive chair at Martin Ray International. So for any of my guests that maybe don't know or aren't familiar with, give us a quick little what's Martin Ray all about? What do you guys do? What problems do you solve in the world? And uh, maybe even throw in what gets you out of bed in the morning. <laughs>
1: yeah. Um, so we are uh, described as an automotive parts supplier. Uh, we're an, uh, an auto parts supplier in, a, in an industrial company, uh, basically 22 years old, started in Toronto with one plant. We've grown it over the years in, uh, into one of the larger automotive parts suppliers in North America and the world. Uh, we've grown from basically nothing to over $5 billion in annualized business. We now have 58 plants in 10 countries on five continents. Uh, And what we make are structures, lightweight structures for a vehicle, generally out of steel, high strength steel or aluminum. We also do fluid systems, which range from uh, fuel lines, brake lines, also cooling systems for batteries. So that's basically our business. We've been one of the fastest growing automotive parts suppliers in the world. have a Canadian head office, but we're very international now, about 85% of our revenues are outside Canada. And so we have that international focus. Uh, we supply to the OEMs, including Ford, General Motors, and Stellantis, all of which just went on strike uh, <laughs> we at, uh, at midnight last night, so it's an interesting uh, time to look at that. We also supply a number of other uh, OEMs and, uh, and, and really are um, a leading manufacturer, so we make things, we make things better, and uh, we spend all our time thinking about how to do that better.
0: Rob, you've given that you've given that elevator pitch before. We're not only we're maybe six floors in, and you've got you've, and you wrapped it up nicely. Uh, not to, not this is what we're talking about today, but you mentioned the strike. You've been in this game 21 years. When's the last time we saw something like this? Like these do come in cycles or in seasons, do they not?
1: <laughs> yeah, we had uh, on the strike side, we had a strike at the end of 2019 at General Motors, mm-hmm. and and that went for about 40 days. It obviously uh, negatively affected General Motors and affected us in the context of supplying it. What happens at the end of a strike is you tend to catch up a little bit. Um, There's still demand for vehicles and so forth. But as a company, we've certainly had situations of shutdown. Uh, Our first day together was September 10, 2001, and the next day was 9-11, and uh, we were worried about our industry then. In 2008 and 2009, we had an economic crisis, but it was preceded by uh, an energy cost crisis. If you recall, gas prices went up really high and the industry was really hit by that, so that 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 really reduced uh, production a lot. And we're a supplier, so our revenues are based on how many vehicles are ultimately produced. So that was a, a huge challenge. And then, of course, the pandemic was a huge challenge in 2020. The entire industry shut down for almost a quarter, and nobody anywhere made vehicles for about 10 or 11 weeks. And and so that was that was a, a, a broad shutdown. And I think those two situations are worse than the strike. Having said that. We'll uh, uh, we'll be able to strike too, and see see how how bad it ultimately is. But I do think mm. there's high level of motivation on the customer side and on the union side to come to a consensus because if you're not producing vehicles, both sides are hurt.
0: Yeah, every, everybody's gonna soon, has the has the industry. Sir, we're going down the industry road. I got I've got an industry expert on my uh, in front of me. Have we caught up from an inventory perspective? I have some friends that are on the dealer side, and they're like, um, "Man, I've got demand. I'm pre sold for another six months to twelve months." Like it seems like it hasn't necessarily quote unquote caught up yet. Yeah, the
1: short answer is no. Okay. Um, no. You know, if you take a look at production over the last twenty years, twenty years ago, we were selling more vehicles than we are today and oh wow that's a powerful yeah and, uh, and we huh. still haven't got up to historical levels and at that time you know just to put it in context the u.s had 280 million people and now they have close to 340 million um and so in that context inventory levels on most models are very low right. demand exceeds supply uh having said that there are other things that at play as well including interest rates which i think people have to get used to and a few other things but the reality is that is that for a lot of vehicles, it's very hard to get a new vehicle on a timely basis, and inventory levels are quite low.
0: And the, and and a situation like a strike is not gonna is not gonna improve on that situation. Anytime, no. and anytime it's soon. very hard to
1: catch up, right? Yeah. Like like normal demand is actually higher than current production, so <laughs> it's it, it doesn't get better unless you actually have production that exceeds demand for a period of time.
0: Well, in those two curves, if you think about, uh, if I'm already behind, and I've already got more demand and I lose a day of production, the demand is yeah. going to jump ahead of you faster than you can keep up with it. Just just simple, yes. yeah.
1: <laughs> Basic law of economics. Yeah. <laughs> it, it actually works in situations like that. Yes,
0: this. It, it it self-regulates. So you 58 plants. How many employees? What, what's the what's what's that team so size? We just crossed
1: like? uh, in the last uh, several months the 19,000 employee threshold. Wow. Uh, we have about 2,500 in Canada, and as with our revenues, a lot of our employees are in different places. Mexico is actually our largest footprint. We we have over 9,000 employees in Mexico now, and so there were a Mexican company in the U.S. We're an American company. We also have plants in Germany, Spain, mm. Slovakia. Uh, we have some plants in China. Uh, we have a very small plant in South Africa, and we have one in Brazil.
0: Well, so you and I got connected around a platform that's close to my heart and I think a little bit close to yours called Give Some. And you and I, I was fortunate enough to have a conversation with you and we got into culture and connecting your people. When you've got that many different microcosms or ecosystems of culture and ways of... Just talk to me a little bit about, from an organizational perspective, at your level, when you look down uh, throughout bringing this all together, just philosophies, yeah. challenges, like that's no easy feat. It's no easy feat oh. if you have one plant, let alone 58 of them.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I, w- I would say uh, we describe my CEO, Pat Raymond and myself as, as almost the chief culture officers of the company. Yes, um, that doesn't mean it's just us talking about it. You've got to live it on the floor. Um, we have uh, We have general managers in each plant that are effectively the presidents of their location. There's an HR manager in each plant, and they're not just processing paper. They're basically uh, ensuring that the culture lives on the floor. Um, uh, It it starts with a consensus about what you're all about. Our vision statement uh, is about making people's lives better by being the best we can be in the products we make and the services we provide. It doesn't just refer to auto. It refers to everything that we do. Um, and, and that's a fundamental um, uh, operating uh, vision. And then we have 10 operating principles that we worked on over the past decade by consensus. You know, uh, we, we work with a pen, but but we try and get buy-off like, like how are we going to operate? And our first principle is the golden rule principle, which is treating people the way you want to be treated, uh, treating them with dignity and respect. And then you've got to walk that talk. It's easy to say. Uh, but ultimately, you know, the, the, the way I describe it is there are other ways to run a business. You can run a numbers-based and all that type of stuff, but there are other companies that will employ you if you want to be there. Uh, maybe this is not your fit. And so ultimately, on little decisions and bigger decisions, if you're thinking about your people, if you really, uh, if you really care about your people, it's going to... Affect you over time, and 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 you know our financial results have been quite good on a comparable basis and on an absolute basis, and and I say that the culture results in 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 better performance because you get the best out of your people. It's not the other way around. It's not like you have have uh, good financials and and then that means you have good good culture. Um, but in our business, certainly. It's true because because it's a demanding business. People have to give you their loyalty and the best that they can do. This is not a case like we find an uh, oil in an oil field or gold somewhere, and you know you can yeah, be you're you you're, know, you're physically price making price things. You're making things from
0: nothing. <laughs> this
1: is a people business, and uh, and so we spend a lot of time on that. And uh, and and ultimately, I think your people look at you and you say, is that person like me and is that person for me? and Hmm. people are smart they can see that that's true whether it's a political leader that's true whether it's a leader of a voluntary organization uh true i think it's true of a church i think it's true of a business Hmm. and so ultimately we uh we, we think that way um all the time
0: when, I really appreciate that and just calling a spade a spade this is a people business first and what we do then becomes the output of that how about talk to me about just different culture that's always a you're in yeah. Mexico you're in Slovakia you're in Canada when you talk sure. about these universal principles like are people are people people through and through and we'll get into personalization and how you kind of yeah. customize what matters in each culture yeah.
1: I, you know there's no question that cultures are different the, yeah. the, the, the Germanic culture is different than the Mexican culture totally. um, yeah. uh, you know in, in Germany people like rules this is this is how we do things and so forth um, in, in in America depending on where you are in America um, there are different approaches but certainly it's a freedom oriented approach which is you know let me make the decision uh, give me the give me the tools in Mexico very family oriented approach and it's and it's interesting uh, it's Independence Day in Mexico today okay
0: um,
1: uh, and one of the things that we're doing to respect our Mexican folks is we're actually rolling out a Martin Ray at tequila. And so, and, okay. And, okay. You know, uh,
0: Rob, you have my, you have my attention. Yeah, well, <laughs>
1: so, so, you know, everyone gets swag, right? Like I've got a, I've got a nice t-shirt and it's, and it's good, very efficient and so forth. People, if they, if, 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 if you like the company you're working with you'll wear their swag in that, in that context. And so, you know we do a lot of that uh, in Mexico It's very socially oriented and so one of the things we we felt was um what what do you what do you think about when you think about Mexico and most people think about you know guacamole and tequila <laughs> they and so we said well why don't we develop a tequila uh for Mexico developed by by Mexican so you know visited a distillery and so forth and they said, well, what kind of tequila do you want? And I said, I'm not going to make that decision. We're going to come back and we're going to do tasting with a whole bunch of our Mexican folks. And they're going to determine what they like in their Blanco and their Reposado and in, in their Añejo, mm-hmm. which we did. And then we said, we're going to come up with a name. And our name is uh, Mary Angel or Maria Angel, mm-hmm. which is, Mary is the Mary is the Virgin Mary, which is very important in Mexican culture, especially every plant has a, has a Madonna in it. And the angel is actually our logo and so it fits and then we did a design contest for the logo um, and we're rolling it all out uh, next week so every single employee in mexico is getting a bottle of martin reyes own tequila next week in honor of independence day and i think it's 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 a very interesting and unique way to approach our people what we say in mexico is we're local we're a mexican company and you need that from your people to see that. When we're in Brazil, we're a Brazilian company. In Germany, we're a German company. In Spain, we're a Spanish company. In Canada, of course, we're a Canadian company. And and people relate to that in the context of their their plants. They want to be working at a place that they can feel proud of, that their family members can feel proud of, that they can say, I work there and, and, and they care about me. And, um, and And I think if you do that, that's a... That's a secret to success. It's a secret to sustainability. Um, You know, a word that's overused, I think, in a lot of ways. (laughs) It is. is.
0: That that word is on trend right now, for sure. Yeah, it's on trend. You
1: you know, if you don't make money, you're not sustainable in business. You don't take care of your people, you're going to- It's kind of like the original sustainability. Is
0: do you have enough money to actually stay in business? And if you do, how do you give it back?
1: The Uh, secret of business is to be in business. If (laughs) you're not in business, you're not around, right? (laughs)
0: <laughs> yes, you lose the option. You lose the options to make different to make new decisions tomorrow if you're not to play the game. Talk to me a little bit about give some. You encountered them. I encountered them a couple of years ago. I'm not sure how yeah. long they've been in your radar. I love some of their personalization, some of their transparency, the way they bring it through. How is a company like Martin Rea? I'm sure you get inundated also with different programs and ways of doing things. But I love what you said. Start with the philosophy. Start was important. Then you find the tools and the way to execute. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, the the interesting thing from our perspective is their philosophy matches very well with our our okay. philosophy. Which is, you know, every every company um, says they take care of their people and talks about giving. What what I really like about Give Some is they basically allow us to personalize how we give. So someone like myself or my CEO or a lot of general managers in different places, they're inundated with charitable requests all the time. And say, You want to be a good corporate citizen, you know, this is what you can do. Um, you know, I can I can have the company write a check to a hospital, and I'll be invited to a dinner, and they'll give me a picture, and I'll show something, and everything else, and then you know say, "Hey, look at what a great corporate citizen we are." And the people on the floor couldn't give a crap, because <laughs> at the end of the day, you know, it's almost like I'm using the 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 um, the firm or the firm's resources to promote myself. Yes, we're promoting the company and so forth. So, mm-hmm. what I really like about about Give Some is. You know, you can basically track what you give, and you can go to a plant, and the plant could be in, you know, Riverside, Kansas City, or it could be in Tilsonburg, Ontario, or whatever, and say, Okay, we give a certain amount anyway. So what we're gonna do is we're gonna allocate the giving and and, and, and you the employee are going to choose what to support. And it could be a project, it could be, you know, one involving students, it could be tree planting, whatever. And you get our money which you can match if you want, and you will allocate where it is. And, so, and then at the end of the day, what is really good about the personalization point is they will get feedback, whether it's a small video or whatever, that shows what they've done. And it has incredible impact. And so the people on the floor are basically making the determinations on what we do so that, among other things, they can localize it, personalize it, go home and say to their family, like, hey, we're supporting this. I'm supporting this in that context. Um, there are many other things that you can do with this. You can actually, you know, um, show the community impact that you have um, in in the context of hours and all that type of stuff. So so we really like the platform, really like the people. and And they basically say, you know, how do we make giving real as opposed to, you know, writing a check to United Way or whatever, which is, you know, a whole bunch of charities, some of which people would support, some which don't. Yeah. And that's just, you know it's easy to write the check. This personalize the whole giving experience, and it, and it fits in very well with our vision of making lives better. And it fits in very well with our, with our golden rule philosophy. And and to watch the impact of some of these things, like it would just it, it would it would just you know it just hits you in the heart. Right? <laughs> it
0: Hits you right in the feels. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. How, how do you guys? How, is it How do you decide which ones, because there's, there's so, like you made the comment earlier, there's so many yeah. charities and there's so many people, yeah. especially. And the bigger you are as an organization, the more people are going to say, yeah. hey, let's go chat with them. How do you pick which charities? Is that through, a, like, what's, what process do you use? Well, it,
1: it, you know, we don't dictate to okay. each planter or, or, or um, uh, office what they do. So one of the things that we've done is we said, okay, look, you know, first of all, you have to be a charity. So, you know, it's, so, a, it's a, it's not just, you know, I'm, I'm helping Bob build a barn or something like that. <laughs> I mean, it was charitable, I guess would be okay, but, yep, but, I, I got but you. the, but, but we basically say, what do you come up with? Like, you know, what we'll do is we'll run, let's say five projects at a time. Okay. And if you don't want to support this one, one will come your way. If you have something, you know, let's say your kids are involved or, or, you know, a family member's involved, or you have a particular interest, might be the Alzheimer's Society or or you know something like that then find a project and we'll do that um there's no limitation on projects and and you know the the amount given per project it's not it's not ridiculously large like it might be a thousand bucks 1200 bucks 750 bucks whatever so that gets funded then it drops off the list and you have another one and so i I i could say hey let's take a look at this one but you know in our office we've had different people say you know let's Let's, uh, let's try this. And it, and it gets very localized too. So in Detroit, our Detroit office, one of them was basically getting furniture for people that have been displaced yeah. from, from housing and put somewhere that don't have furniture. And you know that is a particular um, organization in the Detroit area.
0: Well, it's very specific. So it's very specific and very, very local.
1: Very yeah. specific. So, so people go and they can say, you know, this isn't giving at a corporate level for something that's remote. And we're rolling it out in Canada and the United States, but ultimately this can be a worldwide platform and so forth. There's no question that all of our plants historically have gotten quite involved in the local situation. Yeah, the question sense. is, how do you do it on a basis that, you know, you get you get focused bang for the buck and it makes our employees uh, feel better. And also know that, that you know, they've got some input into the giving decision. Ownership creates, uh, creates all kinds of wonderful, wonderful conditions.
0: Well, you're closing the loop a little bit. You know, so often, even as as, yeah. a, as an individual, this gives to charity. You don't always know what happened. Like you gave, and you felt good, and then yeah. it can drift. Which also, from the charitable organization's perspective, if you're not closing yeah. that loop, you might not get that donor next year because they never got to realize the impact. Like it kind of wins on all sides, right? One hundred,
1: one yeah. hundred percent. You want to you want to see where you're making a difference, and you know we all have limited time. Limited reason, like you know, there's there's a scarcity yes. in that context. So you want to know that you're 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 making an, an impact. One of the things in our mindsets as a, as an automotive supplier is you gotta be lean, which means remove the waste, right? And we're also very entrepreneurial. Those are those are parts of our culture. So we're you know there's the there's the golden rule culture, but we're also lean, which means take waste out, and we're entrepreneurial, which means own what you do. So those things fit very well, and the give some approach fits extremely well into that because it says if you're going to if you're going to give to charity, you know get bang for the buck, get ownership, take out waste. You know at the end of the day, a specific project that needs seven hundred and fifty dollars, for example, or eleven hundred dollars, you get it done. You're not paying for administration. You're getting stuff done, so it's so it's efficient, and there's an ownership uh, mentality to it. So. I think i think it can be very effective it's uh it's got got a lot of uh it's got a lot of torque in our organization uh we've seen uh results in in uh, some of our offices and, and and rolling it out i'd say um and i'd say you know the pandemic actually focused a lot of stuff on cost obviously but also on need and so i think in the context of that um uh, the, the, the 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 market is fertile for this type of approach for sure. I, yeah, Not just I, for I, our I, company. I, I had the same I,
0: feeling when I ran into it as well. I was yes. like, Oh, this like, why isn't someone else doing it this way? And also technology catches up with need and capacity too. Right. And some things that Absolutely. we couldn't do a few years ago because we were just more connected. I love yeah. how you described you, how you define entrepreneurial culture. Cause it can be defined in a lot of ways, but I love you to yeah. find it very own what you do. Yeah, so, I, I really love that a lot. <laughs> so
1: so I, I, I've been accused of being an entrepreneur and, you know, <laughs> maybe well, I, I, I,
0: based on what you told me, I would believe that to be true. Right?
1: Yeah, so, so I, I was, so my background, I was a lawyer to entrepreneurs, a very entrepreneurial law firm called Wildeborg Elise, which is now over 30 years old. And we've often been described as, you know, the most entrepreneurial law firm in this country and i am not sure that's true those I are think. words
0: that don't always go together law firm yeah. and entrepreneurial I, you yeah, know what i mean exactly. let's, let's appreciate that
1: <laughs> and so so we've done that we've had the ability you know as, as a firm we we financed a lot of entrepreneurial uh companies we were actually uh, securities lawyers to a little company called research in motion which changed the world
0: yeah and and
1: we thought that way and and so but what i would say in the context of our martin ray af- approach um i say it's not rolling the dice everyone you know there is this conception that if you're an entrepreneur you take big risks and everything else most entrepreneurs i know understand that the biggest risk is is staying still that's how you're going to be out of business right and most entrepreneurs i know really understand risk and opportunity and 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 really spend time at that and then and then the 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 other aspect is you have to own it so for me there's an ownership element to entrepreneurship um and, and, and if you do that, you will make a lot of the determinations that most people would make that are very rational. And so what we say, for example, to the uh, general managers of our, of our plants, of which we have a number, is, you know, treat this like you own it. And and you're going to make the decisions that we're probably going to agree with 95, 98% of the time. You know that, you know, too much waste over here is going to hurt your bottom line and your productivity. You know that if you have too many machines, that's probably not good. If you have too few, that's not good. If you're not satisfying the customer, that's not good. If you have too many people, that's not good. If you have too few people, that's not good.
0: If you don't train <laughs> your people. It, that's it is, not it is good. a delicate. It's a delicate navigation right down the middle of all that. Yeah,
1: yeah. So you know anyone that owns something, um, you know, including you know as a radio show host, you you, you 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 own what you do, and at the end of the day, you're judged on that. And so um, people respond to that extremely well. Um, and, 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 and I think it's the ownership element that's, uh, that's very important. You know, when I say to a salesperson, um, would you do this? If, if this was your company, yeah. would, would you be saying, I want to do this job? And if the answer is no, I mean, chances are, I'm going to agree with you.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Probably 98% of the time. <laughs> that's right. When it comes to some of these initiatives, now that you've been, you know, how do you measure, how do how do you measure? how do you measure feels? How do you measure? And it does show up in culture, like you said. But it, sometimes yeah. it can feel intangible. At an organization like yours, I imagine you guys have a few KPIs for things and a few yeah. key metrics that you look for so when it comes to giving. What do you, yeah? What, what's yeah. your what's yeah. your flag?
1: Well, let me give you a couple of examples because you know um, we actually did this at our, our shareholders meeting mm-hmm. uh, uh, this this year, and in, in, in uh, some of our presentations in our report to to share, shareholders who are you know the owners of the company. As are the employees, as are managers. We all we all own it together. But uh, one KPI for us is safety. Now we've bought a lot of stuff out of out of insolvent situations, a lot of troubled plants. Our safety KPIs, you know, ten years ago or so, we said basically we want to be in the top decile in our industry. It's an industry with big equipment and so forth, yeah. and we're there. And we've managed to improve uh, the key the key safety metrics by eighty six percent over over that time frame um and, and a lot of the plants that we bought were distressed were not very safe either so we basically brought a safety culture from day one um people have the right to be to go home safe um uh, and to, to, sec- to be able to go
0: home period absolutely <laughs> yeah.
1: a second area is uh is employee surveys so um we're objectively surveyed by someone that also does a number of uh, our competitors, uh, uh, a number of our customers in our industry, as well as other industries. And they say that we're right at the top of the list. And so we have metrics which, um, you know, 95% of our employees respect their general manager.
0: Hmm.
1: Um, That's an unbelievable high number. I've, I've worked in a number of places where, you know, a lot of people are always complaining about the boss um
0: yeah um, I, I i that seems in that seems uh,
1: that's right 80 respectively I think, high <laughs> i think it's 82 percent of our people say they go home at the end of the day fulfilled in their job and i'm sitting there and you know like our job is sometimes is sometimes a hot job sometimes a difficult job but if you can do that in a manufacturing context that is that is a game changer and so those are some of the questions that we ask, and they're industry asked questions. And you know, when the when the people that, that look at it say, you know, are industry leading, I think that's I think that's great. And then when we look at some of the things we do uh, for our people, uh, I think the tequila is an example. Uh, in the pandemic, um, we couldn't get PPE, so we basically bought a mask making machine. We ended up making 10 million. Plus uh, level three masks, we gave it to all our people, especially in places like Mexico. Gave it to their family members and so forth. We ended up, you know, being involved in uh, in making ventilator stands. We became the world's largest maker of ventilator stands in you know a matter of weeks um, to, to 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 help out. Our people see that, and uh, and I think that in that context, it makes a difference.
0: So what you're saying is actions speak louder than words. <laughs> That's
1: right. That's right. We, 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 live in a, we live in a world when there's a lot of uh, positions being taken, whether it's by politicians, economists, different <laughs> yes, folks. By talking heads. And, and at, the, at the end of the day, you know, you just got to deliver.
0: When you look at when you look ahead future wise and you see things like you know like prop, platforms like give some that make that personalization is yeah. this a trend do you like is you know obviously you guys bought in because it aligns with who you are and what you believe in yeah. but do you also see like on a broader scale i think the world's kind of heading more in this direction of like well, i think so i mean i want yeah, personalization i want to know <laughs>
1: yeah i i i i think so for sure I, I you know we're not unique in the sense of trying to take care of people and people are not <laughs> unique either they respond they respond to certain things integrity honesty opportunity uh those types of things um i don't think that you know uh you you, you got to follow the headlines about everything that's out there in terms of you know the world's going to hell in a handbasket. we're all going to burn up all that type of stuff <laughs> that, um, that
0: that storyline has been running for many many decades yeah, in one so, way or another rob
1: <laughs> but, but but ultimately you know there are things that people care about and they care about their jobs they care about their family they care about impact um, and they want to see it, and so in that context, I think that um, I, I think that a lot of institutions in society have been uh, have been failing, um, and that includes governments and includes a lot of other organizations. We're in a world where you know corporations can make a difference uh, more than before because we we do not have societies where everyone goes to their local library. They're all doing their, you know, local book clubs and everything else. There's a lot more, and yeah. this is this is in part because of the pandemic. But, but you know, in terms of all the avenues of social interaction, one of the things we found, particularly in the pandemic, is the is the corporation was a place that a lot of people could actually um, interact socially. Our 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 industry, by its very nature, requires you to be at work. You know, you got to make things, and so one of the things that we did when uh, we were back uh, making uh, parts for vehicles and everything, is we said, okay, our office folks, you gotta come back to work. Why? Because the people working on the floor are back to work. And I know that there are a lot of people saying, don't go to the office, et cetera. We actually thought that going to the office was safer than being at home and socially interacting with your neighbors who are also at home. <laughs> um, so our, our record on COVID was extremely good. We had safety measures and protocols uh, we did not have one person in Canada, the United States uh, pass away with COVID, and we and, and basically most of the people that we had that did co- uh, contract COVID didn't do so in the plants because we were pretty, pretty safety oriented uh, mm-hmm. in, in terms of focus focus on that. So corporations can make a difference, but you got to be real about it. And I yeah, think that
0: and intentional. I, I like think the some sure.
1: platform allows you to be real about it. The give some people are real themselves. Um, you know, uh, people like Jay are, are absolutely committed to um, making people's lives better, and 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 so if it works in a particular area, I think it can work for any organization. Um, uh, but certainly on the business side, I think it's a I think it's a tremendous opportunity. And so one of the things that we're trying to do is, you know, show it can work, make it work for us. It's working, and then and then take that and. You know, if if I'm even a competitor of ours or anyone in our industry or like, why wouldn't they do the same thing? It's 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 an efficient way to be a good corporate citizen. Um, And 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 I think that's and I think that's that's extremely important to people.
0: With your peers and some of the other, like you said, could be a competitor. Obviously, you know, other individuals who lead organizations. Is there a get it factor? Do you find it at, at the C-suite level of the connection between like, if we do this, people, yeah. f- like all these things will happen and therefore our bottom line results will be better. Because it seems obvious when you yeah. say it, but some C-suites, I know that's not their priority. It's way down in the list. Are you seeing a shift yeah. there? Or what's your thoughts?
1: Well, I think, I, I think that a lot of people talk the talk <laughs> and ultimately you got to go, you got to go beyond that, um, and and I think that. Uh, but but there's a lot of sincerity in that context. So so when you're talking about sustainability, um, again a very much over overused word, but um, or when you talk about ESG, which is basically sustainability, there's an environmental aspect which has had the focus. There's yeah. a governance. Fo- uh, um, there's a governance focus which is a little bit formulaic in my view. At the end of the day um you know um it's governance isn't necessarily going to get your results it's the quality of the people actually doing the governing and and uh, and so forth but on the social side that is something that people really care about and 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 i think that when you do the social side you can talk about it but then you can demonstrate it mathematically as to what you're doing right and so to me an employee survey right which includes the question you know do you know the principles do you know the vision, mission, and principles of your company? Do you see them in your plant? And when the answer is overwhelmingly positive, you know the messaging is, "Guys, this is making a difference." It's working. And 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 you know, would you rather have an engaged, loyal employee that wants to come to work and perform for the company, or someone that basically says, "Yeah, management's on a different on a different page, and you know, I, I don't really care about this, and I'm looking for something better." And on the bottom line, the interesting thing is that a happy workforce is one that you retain. Yeah. It's hard to train. And so you want to attract people, you want to train people, you want to retain people. And at the end of the day, if people aren't looking, like people are not just going to change for the sake of money. It's all the other things. So you can actually be efficient from a monetary perspective by saying this is where it is. And, and, and I'm telling you that on a personal level, if someone came to me typically and said, you know, I can make more over there. And I say, if that's, if that's your motivation, then that's where you should go because, you know, we're going to try and do it in a particular way. Um, you you know, there's no question in our, in our business, which it's been really hard to get people over the last, um, I'd say. Everybody,
0: everybody is any, there's not many industries you talk to that doesn't share that same.
1: That's right. Everybody can go. And so at the end of the day, you know, we have people that don't go and 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 that to me is is just very good for the organization so this is this is not just it's not just good for the world it's good business too
0: Boom, mic drop moment right there. Rob, thanks so much for coming on. Thanks for, we had a good chat the first time. I was really, I really really uh, appreciate you taking the time to chat about this. And it's a topic that can often be put in the fluffy category or the light category or the nice to have category. But I really appreciate what you did today is like, no, 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 this is real, this is measurable. And this has a direct correlation to success. And at the scale that you're doing it at, Rob, I'm not gonna lie to you, it'd be hard to argue with you. Thank you, thank you very much. <laughs> it was an mark. absolute pleasure coming on. If anyone's curious, Martin Rant, check them out online. You guys have a fantastic organization. i I've started to learn. I'm, I grew up in uh, I grew up in Central Canada. You guys weren't on my radar. I live in Western Canada now, so I've been going down the rabbit hole and learning a bit about your organization. So really yeah. impressive and well done. And thanks for thanks for coming on, and sharing your sharing your views and prophesizing a bit with us this morning. I really appreciate it.
1: Well, thank you, and you have a great day.
0: You too.